you when you need to know what's happening, it's 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 time to get in the huddle with Carl Dukes and Jason LaConfora. Welcome back to another edition of In the Huddle, guys, as we count down to week 18. One more week of the regular season, Jason, and then it's the playoffs. But before we get to all of that and our thoughts about what happened in week 17, we've got to talk about what happened last night with Bill Safety, DeMar Hamlin. Everybody around the world is talking about it, and certainly we are going to today. Now, as we record this, guys, it's Tuesday morning. We don't know where this is going to go. We certainly don't know how this is going to, you know, possibly change over the next few hours. So we want to be clear. Jason and I, right now, our thoughts about the NFL, how they handled it, what players were thinking, what we were thinking, is what we're going to focus on. We are not going to focus on the condition of DeMar Hamlin at this point because we just don't know. We're not doctors. We have no idea. With that said, Jason, let's talk about this because he is in critical condition. He suffered cardiac arrest from what we know and what's been reported as of right now. Last night, as you've watched this, and you've covered the NFL a long time, as I've been around it as well, what were you thinking? Well, first of all, I just want to express – my thoughts, prayers, emotions are with Demar Hamlin, with his loved ones, with the Bills, with T. Higgins, with all those uh, men who were on that field, and and women who were on that field in one capacity or another, and and collectively created an environment in which we're still able to talk about Demar Hamlin being alive at this moment in time, You're right. because it, it is clear that he suffered a major cardiac event and if the men and women um tasked from the medical community with being at that football game didn't act as urgently and as expertly as they did that this you know we already may be talking about something more horrific than than what this has been so um, a lot of people acted um out of great care um and displayed great character and uh i also thought um, from what we could see, I wasn't there. I was watching at home like everybody else. I'm watching the same coverage as everybody else. Um, but the cameras tell a story. The the faces tell a story. And it seemed pretty clear to me, Carl, that Sean McDermott and Zach Taylor got together a couple of times and said, mm. not tonight. We're, we're going we're gonna to be with our men. We're going to go back where they can't film us into our sanctuary, the locker room. And we're going to deal with this together. Um, and the football part of this is it's not happening. You know, it's not happening. That's not where we're at. That's not where we should be at. That's not what this is about at this point in time. Um, again, we all watch the same coverage. Carl, what, what, what was expressed throughout that evening numerous times from field reporters and in the studio? What was the initial report? When they came out of three or four straight commercials where everyone's kind of just in distress, was it not made abundantly clear? I would assume in the stadium as well, although I wasn't there. Was was there not abundant reporting saying that the teams were advised they had five minutes to get themselves together, run around and stretch a little bit, and then we're playing football? Was that not made abundantly clear not not just initially, but I watched the coverage till midnight. Right. Throughout that period of time, was that not the timeline? 
it, it was. Um, and this gets us into another part of this story. Jason Lockham for Carl Dukes. It's in the huddle. Brian Boldinger, part of this podcast as well, guys. And he will join us later in the week. As we talk about this situation with Bill Safety, uh, DeMar Hamlin, everyone around the country, Jason, and I know you were seeing it too on social media because this is what connects us now, right? It used to be, hey, I'm calling my boys, I'm calling my family. Now we're talking to people that we don't even know. And the biggest thing was what took the NFL so long to make this decision? Now, I cannot defend what happened behind the scenes. I know Troy Vincent is a very smart guy. Mm-hmm. I know that Roger Goodell, when you, whether you like him or you don't like him, these situations are unique. And when you start talking about these kinds of injuries and stuff playing out in real time, I don't know at what point they were saying, hey, what do we know? What do we don't know? Okay, we're not playing. But I know a lot of people were upset at the fact, Jason, that this thing seemingly took an hour to make the decision before, hey, everybody realizes you can go home. We are all thinking about what needs to be thought about at this point, and that is the well-being of this individual, this human being, not this football player. His teammates cannot, you know, go back out there. Nobody was expecting that, I don't think. But what about the time lapse between this event happening and then the decision by the league? I thought, I just don't know if they knew what was going on wholeheartedly, right? I just don't know. Well, you've got Donna Ponte there. Donna Ponte is one of the three sure. highest ranking football operations people in the league. Maybe one of the six or seven highest uh, ranked uh, executives in the league in total. She's there. You just mentioned the immediacy of how quickly communication and things can be expressed person to person in a number of ways. Like, I'm just trying to get my head around for three. And I've I've worked in the past in a news role for the media arm of the league and one of their primary broadcast partners. And the idea that for three hours from, from when this horrific event happened, I shouldn't say three hours, because I guess it was probably a period of time after the ambulance left the field where it was conveyed that these teams have five minutes and then we're going to go. From when that was initially expressed on air to after midnight when, the, when Troy Vincent does his Mm -hmm. Uh, conference call for that extenuated period of time it was expressed over and over and over in conversations on set and conversations in the uh, press box uh, from the where they were broadcasting the game and on the sidelines that was put out there where did that like no one went rogue you know what I mean I find it hard to believe that an official a game on-field official, a reporter, a a network that has billions of dollars tied up over years with that league, that that was wrong, someone there got it wrong, and that three hours later the NFL got around to correcting it. Like, it doesn't work that way. I'm just telling you. Like, things that are nowhere near this magnitude – when they see it, and they see everything, especially in a moment like this, and this is not a ma-and-pa operation. That is not – Park Avenue is not short on body, short on eyeballs, right? Like, there's layers there, man, and there's lawyers. And I just and, – and I and this isn't to come at Troy because Troy's not making this decision. It's Correct. Roger Goodell. We still That's haven't right. heard from Roger Goodell. He's the $50 million man. So they sent Troy out there to try to clean up their mess. That's how I see it, okay? That's – 
I, I, you know me, I am, I'm probably too honest, but like, there's no way. It's fair. No way fair. that you would have Ryan Clark and 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 Scott Van Pelt having the level of discourse they were having, which was, which which showed a, a, a tremendous humility, humanity, uh, in some ways bravery, honesty. Like it was very compelling, and it helped a lot of people get through this uncertain time. Then you're going to come out after midnight on a conference call and say we don't know where that came from. Yeah. Right? Like inexcusable. It's really? it's inexcusable. No, it, it really? is. Because if that was incorrect, if that was if, if somehow that got on air and it was just poppycock, just somebody made it up, that gets corrected like that. No, no, it doesn't work that way. Okay? Like, so I, I and then I mean I'm just you know. I wasn't on the field. I'm not a brilliant football executive. I'm not, you know, nobody pays me millions of dollars a year to hear what I think about anything. But you could see Josh Allen's face. You could see Stephon Diggs' face. You could see Sean McDermott's face. You could see Zach Taylor's face. You could see Joe Burrow's face and know that there, this the, the show won't go on tonight. The spectacle yeah. won't go on tonight. No one's winning any bets tonight. No one's winning any fantasy football tonight. Let's hope this young man doesn't die on this football field or die in this ambulance or die at that hospital. Period. The Roger Goodell thing is something that we'll question for a very long time. When something goes wrong or there is an event in our country, I don't care what your political stance is. The president speaks. The president addresses the nation. The president says, hey, Things are going to be fine. This is where we're at. Whether you buy it or not, in this political landscape we're in, the point is you hear from the man. We didn't hear from the man last night. And that is where I agree with you, Jason, that at some point, I don't give a damn what Roger Goodell was doing, put, put a suit on, put a suit, put, put, a, put a half suit on. You've got cameras in your house, Roger. We know from 2020 that you oh, can yeah. do this. Okay? Broadcasted a whole draft from his couch. We know that you can do this. In case of emergencies or situations like this, and, and, and these guys are what I call doomsday situations. Now, Jason knows this because we've been around the league, but there are scenarios and there are books, okay, that the NFL has, God forbid, if something happens, plane goes down. There are mm -hmm. multiple casualties. There's something that happens at the stadium. There are guides that we can go to and say, hey, we, we predicted maybe this might happen, and this is how we're going to respond. So when I hear people say, well, they've never been through this, bullshit. Because I'm going to tell you, in 2007, there was a guy who played for the Buffalo Bills. His name was Kevin Everett. Kevin Everett was covering a, a, a kickoff and gets hit, and he is on the field for 15 minutes, motionless. Now, but the reason why I know this, and, and it hits so home with me, Jason, is because he was from Port Arthur, Texas. I'm in Houston at the time. They, they literally chill his body to decrease the swelling in his spine, and nobody thought he was going to walk again. And this kid at the time walked into my studio months later, and I damn near broke down because watching that on television and knowing exactly what we're feeling about DeMar Hamlin and how his family feels, and this kid may never play. Forget that. He may never walk. He may never have kids. He may never enjoy the simple things in life. He walks into my studio, and I damn near broke down, and I said, I can't believe 
you're here. And we had a great conversation. And my point is, NFL fans, this has happened. We've seen it. So this, this idea of we don't know how to respond or we don't know how to react, we can go down the list. This, the NFL has seen this before, unfortunately. So Roger Goodell, where are you? Why haven't you addressed any of this? I think to give that and put that responsibility on Troy Vincent was completely irresponsible. I understand what Troy's responsibilities are, Jason, but this isn't his deal. When something like this happens with the league, we need to hear from the commissioner and he needs to be the point guy. That's it. You don't send your chief of staff out. The president comes out and, and period. Again, this wasn't a small market game in a one o'clock window while 10 other NFL games were going on. It was the marquee. It was a historic Monday night football teams with the best record ever. I mean, it was that they're, they're there for, they have boots on the ground for primetime games anyway. And certainly for this game, again, you, you've got someone right there who can take the temperature of that field, who can talk directly to those coaches and players. And is also in direct communication with the league. Like, I just tried to game out in my head, like, what's the upside? Like, what would the lawyers and the PR people and the commissioner and everybody else, like, what would that ramp up have really looked like? Had they, because as they're they're delaying this decision, clearly they're leaving open the possibility that there might be some sort of football freak show mm. still to come that night. Like, what, how are they, like, what's the upside to doing that? You played a game, a, a season through a pandemic, I'm old enough to remember games on Monday afternoon, Tuesday night, Wednesday afternoon. The Pittsburgh Steelers and the Baltimore Ravens played a game at like 1 o'clock in the afternoon on a Wednesday. That had massive ramifications, not just for them, but for teams around the league to the point where you had teams complaining about, well, that team had more rest than that team had, and you got through it because you can get through it because we're human beings, we have great capacities, and guess what? These stadiums are empty almost 90% of the time. This isn't like football or basketball where there's, uh, you know, especially in the winter, there's a concert and then there's a, you know, uh, a circus and whatever. Like it's it, now nah, these buildings are dark all the time, man. And guess what? You played that game on a one o'clock in December. It mattered. And people still made money off of it. You know, they didn't make as much as they would have had it been played on a Monday night. Right. But Al and Chris were still there. You know, Carrie Underwood was still singing her little heart out before the game, and everybody got paid. It's Carl Dukes, Jason Lock on four, Bill Safety, Damar Hamlin, still in critical condition as we speak. Again, you're watching this. We're recording this Tuesday, guys. Things could change, and we hope they change for the better over the next few hours, certainly the next few days as we hear where this is going. As far as this game being made up, Jason, we got to address this, and then we'll talk about what happened in Week 17 as we look towards the playoffs and what's going to happen. Because the league could obviously get this game in. We'll see. The playoffs are set up that you know uh, that you could have the, a week uh, before and, and still have the, the timeline play out the way it should. I don't know. At this point, to be honest with you, I really don't give a damn. Yeah, I, I, don't, I just don't give a damn about the game, to be honest be with you. It can be figured out. It can yes. be figured out. It yeah. can be done. They they preach competitive balance until they don't. Like, if it was truly all about competitive balance, why aren't the Seattle Seahawks and the Detroit Lions and the Green Bay Packers all playing in the same window? Mm. Why aren't they all playing at 425 on Sunday? Good if point. it's a, I mean, if it's a meritocracy, if it's not about – 
well, man, Aaron Rodgers makes a whole hell of a lot more money for us in the playoffs than those two teams. So we'll already, well, Seattle already have played, and we'll already know that. Detroit might not have anything to play for. And so even if both teams don't have anything at stake, that's the moneymaker, and Green Bay in the playoffs is a moneymaker. Like, I mean, you can say that's a conspiracy theory, but I would say, well, if there's three teams that are affected, right, and, and, and have the same stake, there's three teams with a chance to get that spot. And it's all about competitive balance. And you've got windows on Saturday and windows on Sunday. Sunday. Multi got more windows than normal. It's a great why? point. You you tell me. Why like it, it's a great why point. why why is Jacksonville and Tennessee where it is? And why is Aaron Rodgers where he is? Money. It's that simple. It's money. And and we know it. You know it. I know it. The people that cover this league know it. The league knows it. And the average football fan who may be watching this podcast or is immersed in football every Sunday, maybe they're not paying that close attention because they just want to root their team on. But at the end of the day, it's about money, and we the know business. that. It's, it's that simple. All right, guys, again, prayers. Keep, keep DeMar Hamlin and his family in your prayers. Nobody wants to see that. Listen, we're not going to debate it's a dangerous game. It's a violent game. We've seen things, as I've mentioned, in the past. You can go all the way back to the 70s, guys. Daryl Stingley. Stingley, Chuck Hughes collapsed on the field for the line. You could go back. These things have happened. They haven't happened frequently, thank God. But these are things the NFL is familiar with. And the way that this was handled is, I think, the bigger question moving forward and why Roger Goodell wasn't more prevalent and present in this situation.